0: This podcast is brought to you by Living Waters Church, Kayabarum. You can visit us at www.lwkayabarum.com. I mean, fantastic. Well, I've entitled my message today, Praying for You. Praying for You. Give me a wave if you're a prayer, if you pray. You know, one one of the things that I've um, come to understand and come to realise in uh, Christianity in my walk with Jesus is that prayer is often something that is really misunderstood. Um, and really basically just praying is relationship you know our singing is praying because we're relating to Jesus and and so um, I'm not going to this morning we're not going to spend time to work out how to pray or that sort of stuff we're going to actually turn to John chapter 17 and we're going to look at Jesus' prayer for you but before we do that Katrina welcome hopefully you have been welcomed um, pre- previously by, by someone, but I just want to say it's really great to have you um, in little old Chiavarim with the kids. I've been so blessed, Katrina and the kids have been staying at my house, and um, I've been blessed to have kids making noise in my house again. It, it, it has been good fun. Some of the noise is like, yeah, all right, yeah, but, but you know, it's, it's been good, so it's really great to have you. And what a quality choice to have an Australian baby, yeah? I reckon it's a quality choice because Aussies are blessed. So if you don't know who Katrina is, um, she's raised in Chiavran, but she's currently a missionary over in Mozambique uh, with her husband, Isaac, who will be out a little bit later, just in time for the baby to be uh, arrive. Um, and so it's really great to have you with us, and the kids as well, of course, the Lego munching kids. I learned a secret, if you want to buy the Kandesi kids a present, just buy them Lego, and you'll be the favourite forever and ever, amen. Excellent. So John chapter 17 And we're going to read from verse 15 through to 19. And this is just a snippet or a part of the prayer that Jesus prayed for you. And it's actually the part where he um, describes what his desire is for you. Because one of the things I've learned about the way we pray actually reveals our heart. Sometimes I listen to people's prayers and I think to myself, that is really revealing about what's happening on the inside. You know, that prayer where it says, save me. It's basically a revelation of what's happening on the inside, the the turmoil, and and so prayer can often reveal the heart of the person who's actually saying the prayer. And so in John chapter 17, verses 15 through to 19, we capture a snippet or a part of Jesus' prayer for you as believers. And he says this, I'm not asking that you take them out of the world, but you keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth, teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world and I give myself a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. God, we pray today and we ask this morning that as we dive into your precious word, that it would be um, life and health to the very bones of our life, Lord. Lord, we understand it is truth, and so we pray that as we apply truth to our life, Lord, that not only will holiness uh, be the result, Lord, Lord, but we would be free in your wonderful name. Amen. So the first thing I notice about this scripture is that it's important that we know our place. Uh, There's times in life where we rub up and we encounter people who I consider are bullies. And if you've ever encountered a bully, that what the bully tries to do is put you in a place where you don't belong. Because we're all created equal, are we not? And so what a bully will do is they will try and force you in a position where you are actually sub, um, under them in their bullying actions. That's the whole thing of what they want. They want to um, suppress you to a point where you're, The real you isn't allowed to rise up and express itself. And so, you know, sometimes in life it's called this, being put in your place, being put in your place. Well, I think as Christians, it's important we understand and we get a handle on what our place is, not only in life, but also in the kingdom. I would go a step further and I would actually say that I think this is one of the enemy's main weapons against humanity, not just the church, but against humanity as well. You know, we often hear sayings like this, you know, someone has poor self esteem, or someone thinks too lowly of themselves. And basically where that comes from and the platform of those sorts of sayings is this is that they don't understand their place and their position. See, the Bible says that you as a born again believer are the head and not the tail. On church. Maybe you fell asleep in the last four weeks. You've got to help me out. I, I, I don't know what Pastor Bruce was like, but I, I like a bit of noise when I preach, A bit of it. as long as it's encouraging, as long as you're not shouting me down. And, and, and so there's this moment in life that if we're not careful, we'll fall into the plans of the enemy where we will think, oh, I'm just a lowly old worm. I, I, I don't deserve the grace of God. I hate it when people say to me, I don't deserve the grace of God. Because the reality is, is ultimately it's true. We don't deserve the grace of God, but it's not ours to judge whether we deserve it or not. It's His to give to us. Oh, come on. <laughs> come on, church. It's His grace to give away. And so therefore it's ours to receive. And as we receive His grace what it does is it sets us on a or gives us a platform to base the rest of our decisions on. Because if you believe that you're no good and if you believe that you're not worthy of the grace of God, your actions and your life will live out that way. But when you understand that it's His grace to give us, it's His mercy to give us, it's His forgiveness to give us, like if you've wronged me, like I've been wronged this week. And actual fact, in mentioning that, please, if you're here at Living Waters, lock your cars in the car park because there's little fingers that... I actually lost some lures this week out of the back of my car and I was a little bit upset. I've been praying for those people that God blesses them with a brick. <laughs> you might know, say, that's not right, Pastor Trevor. You can't pray. No, the Bible says I need to bless my enemies. doesn't say how. if you can take the scripture out of context, I can too. (laughs) I just shouldn't preach it, should I? (laughs) So, yeah, if you're you're parked out the back, please lock your cars at the moment because, um, yeah, I I wasn't wrapped. See, there's this moment where the enemy understands that if he can get you to believe and get you to believe his lie, you aren't able to live in God's truth. See, it's a choice we have. We can believe the lie of the enemy and we can live in the lie of the enemy where we're no good, we're not worthy of his grace, we're not this, we're not, we're not that. Or we can believe God's truth about us because you can't live both. You're either living one or the other. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. Genesis chapter 3, verse 5, well-known scripture, the original sin. And this is where the enemy actually used this as a scheme or a trick to trick Adam and Eve. He actually says this, in, in verse 5. It says, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it. This is the devil talking to Eve. You'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. See, there's this moment where the devil tries to tempt Adam and Eve to position themselves in a place where they don't belong. It actually gets to this place where it's like the devil says this. He says, well, if you eat this fruit that God has said you're not allowed to eat, if you partake of those things, if you believe what I'm saying rather than what God is saying, what will happen is your eyes will be opened. And can I encourage you or can I challenge you that our world is looking to have their eyes opened. It was an attractive statement that was given to Adam and Eve as human beings. And then he adds the sugar on it. Often there's a sugar when it comes to the statements that the enemy wants us to believe in. He says this, and you will be like God. Oh, I don't know about you, but if I'm at Eve, I'm going, I want to be like him. In actual fact, one of my prayers I pray is, Jesus, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. And so this is an attractive statement. This is an attractive statement that the enemy puts out because what he's saying is you can move past humanity and you can be like God. Whew. Our world is trying to be God. We're trying to be self-made. We're trying to be our own, um, the, the masters of our own destiny. It's not our place to be God. It's not our place to be God. You know what, it's, it's, it's actually our place to be sheep. You might know, say, so that's really bad, Pastor Trevor. I know, I've been saving all these jokes up. Last four weeks I've been going, I'm going to use that sheep joke for some sort. <laughs> Very good. As long as I'm not pulling the wool over your eyes, Albert. (laughs) Don't worry, I can be punny all day. (laughs) So there's this moment where it's like (laughs) the devil says to Adam, why don't you rise up and take that which isn't yours? Why don't you position yourself in a place where you can be like God and therefore you can build your own kingdom, you can create your own will, you can create your own things just as God was able to do. Wasn't there a place to be? So it's really important for us as human beings, not just believers, but as human beings to understand what our place is in life. And one of the things that Jesus encourages us about in John chapter 17 about our place is this, that we are placed in the world, but we are not of the world. Can I just say, they were cool boots up on stage today. White Doc Martens, come on. When I was a kid growing up, I always wanted Doc Martens. I always wanted to go and buy some Doc Martens, but I had a problem, and don't take this as a criticism because we've moved past this sort of thinking. But I had a problem because Doc Martens actually came out of the punk scene. And so, therefore, it was like if I identified with the Doc Martens, if I brought, you know, the black Doc Martens with the yellow stitching, I might just go and buy some and then spike my hair with super glue. I've always wondered how those punks sleep at night with the super glued spikes in their hair no they actually sleep face down i i I looked it up one day and i thought man that's got to be suffocating surely (laughs) see my dilemma was this is that i understood i was in the world but i also understood that i'm not part of the world and so what we need to understand is jesus prayer is this to the father i don't want you to take them out of the world i actually want you to place them in the world and part of your place in life is to get a handle on the fact that you are actually placed by the Holy Spirit where you are in this moment. You are put there on purpose. Jesus' Jesus's prayer is not that we form communes and exclude ourselves from the world. No, his prayer is this, is that we are very active in the world, we just don't have the world in us. So who are you today is a great question to ask. Because when you understand that you're in the world, but you're not of the world, there's actually purpose in that statement. I've said to God on a number of occasions in my life, it would be much easier if the moment someone got saved and accepted you as Lord and Saviour, you just took them home. How much easier would that be? No stress. It's like, Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Saviour. Poof, gone, Enjoying heaven. Enjoying the blessings of it. But there's purpose for us still being in the world. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5. So who you are you is a vital question for you to answer and get right. Because if you don't get it right, you're going to live someone else's life. So in Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through to 16, it talks about two elements, salt and light. And here's Jesus speaking to us, Matthew 5 verses 13 onward, Says, you are the salt of the earth. I think it's funny how the world will take sayings and make it a negative thing. Now, that moment when someone says, oh, they're a bit salty, oh, attitude's a bit salty today. It's actually done as a negative thing. And it's interesting because I think what the enemy does to us is he uses subtle things to take us off the truth. I want to tell you, I need to be salty. Not in the way the world is salty not in the way that it's a nasty kind of salt, but we need to be salt and light in the world we live. In actual fact, Jesus said, I don't want you to take the salt and light out of the world because it has a job to do. So you are the salt of the world, but what good is salt if it, is, if it loses its flavor? It can, make, um, can, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. A city on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, the reason Jesus says to the Father, I don't want you to take them out of the world, but I want you to leave them in the world. I want believers to be in the world but not of the world so that our salt and our light has impact. One of the things I love about light is it has instant impact. If you're in a dark room and you put a light on, guess what? It reveals to a certain measure. Depending on how bright the light is will reveal how much about that room that was once in darkness. My first job, I worked at Bond Lake Foods over in Shepparton, And um, I worked in a payroll office over there. And one of the things that the guys used to do to the newbies is when the newbie would go to the toilet, they would wait a certain amount of time, then they'd flick the light off. And the male toilet did not have any skylights or did not have any windows facing out. And I want to tell you, it was so dark you could put your hand here and you couldn't see it. And I'm in this toilet in this foreign environment and it's completely dark and I thought... This is good. This is going to be a joyful experience. And I know this is going to be hard to believe, young people, because you're just saying, just whip your phone out. Just whip your phone out and turn the torch on. (laughs) This is pre-phones. I am so much of a dinosaur that when I first started work, there was one computer in our office and you had to book time to use it. How old I am. Some of you are saying, I retired and there were still no computers at work. It was a foreign experience. Being in this unfamiliar place, being in this place where I didn't want to crawl around the floor, feeling my way to the door, I, I didn't want to do that. And, you know, and by the time I got out, you know, all the guys were in the hall going, <laughs> yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> Good on you. I'm glad when I'm not the newbie anymore. So light has an instant effect. Light has an instant effect. Salt also has an effect. It adds flavor, it preserves, it does all those sorts of things. So Jesus' prayer for us is that we know our place, Not that we're taken out of the world, not that we live in little communes and little communities that are excluded from the world. No, but we are very active in the world around us as salt and light. The issue becomes this, is when salt loses its saltiness, it actually becomes useless. And so when we're living in the world, but the world is in us, our salt has a nullifying effect. Because what happens is, then, the, then the, um, the, the words, these sorts of words, where it's like, well, the church is just filled with hypocrites, actually becomes true. When we live in the world, but the world is also in us as believers, then people look at us and go, well, hang on, is there any difference between the two? Why do I? I don't need a savior if that's what it's going to bring into my life. No, our salt and our light needs to be excluded from the world as well. So, the reason or the other reason that Jesus doesn't want us taken out of the world is because there's purpose for us to be in the world. Can I encourage you that that comes with challenges? I mean, it, it does. It, it comes with challenges. I, I um, took some time out at different stages. Um, Over the last few weeks, just to do a bit of Bible reading and that sort of stuff without the pressure of having to prepare sermons. We love, I spoke about this a little bit last night, we love Hebrews chapter 11 because it's the faith chapter. These men did this in faith, these men did that in faith, and we love it. We're cheering, we're going, good on Gideon, we're cheering, good on Moses, good on Noah. Lived in dear times, but they kept the faith. But then we forget about Hebrews chapter 12. You might say, what's in Hebrews chapter 12? Well, go home and read it. Not only go home and read it, but continue to cheer. It talks about believers being put to the sword, but still living in faith. Woo! How exciting. So our purpose is to be in the world, even though that comes with challenges, even though that comes with times where it's like, you know, Because I want to tell you, my faith is challenged daily when I look at what's happening in the world around us. When I look at the attitude of the world around and the way that our nation is so quickly turning from God, it challenges me. And I actually saw a picture this morning and I want to share it with you. I actually saw some waves of revival coming to our nation. And everyone goes, whoa, waves of revival, but this is the thing that happened with this picture because i I want to tell you when waves of revival come or when high seas come guess what it's there's turmoil that's there with it because you know we want smooth water waves don't create smooth water and what i actually saw was i saw beaches where it's like waves of revival were crashing against these beaches and what was happening was there was an eroding to the shoreline and there was this eroding and there was people saying this I don't like this. I like the, the eroding that's happening, and I, I don't like it. And God's saying, well, hang on, hang on, because when waves of revival come, what actually comes with it as well is turmoil, comes that, that you know, I don't know whether you've ever been dumped by one of those really big waves, or oh, I have, we spent many holidays down in Warnable, body surfing and boogie boarding and all that sort of stuff. And I remember one day I got dumped by this six foot wave, and I didn't know which way was up and which way was down. And I panicked so much that I went like this. And that actually doesn't make it better. It doesn't make it better when you open your mouth under salt water. It doesn't make it better when you open your eyes. Because I, I, I'm just a kid, and I'm, I'm starting to panic which way's up. And when I opened my I, I couldn't determine which way was up and which way was down. And, and so I obviously made it out because I'm here. So don't panic. I didn't die. See, there's turmoil that comes with the weight, And what the Holy Spirit said to me, some people are going to go, I don't like this. I don't like this turmoil. I, I, I don't like this washing. I, I don't like, but what he said to me as the waves of revival crashes against the shore, one of the things it does is it reveals what's buried underneath. It reveals what's buried underneath and what happens in our nation when high tides come and when the beaches get washed away, all the metal detecting enthusiasts come out because they know they're going to search soil that hasn't been searched before. And they will find treasures from years gone by. They, and I got that picture where it was like as the waves crash, it will reveal treasures, not only the past, but it will also reveal new treasures as well. So when the waves come and when you start to get uncomfortable because of what God is doing in our nation, don't go, oh, I don't like this. Just go, okay, God, I'm going to hang on. I'm going to buckle up and I'm going to ride this wave for as long as I can. So there's purpose and it will come with challenges. Let's go to um, 2 Peter chapter 3. Sorry, 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says, By his divine power. Everyone say divine power. I love this verse. You know why I love this verse? Because this verse actually stops me from having to seek elsewhere to find help. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Can I encourage you that everything you need has been given to you already by his divine power? We just need to do what we spoke about last night at Saturday Night Live and lean into the still small voice. Tap into the divine power. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by the means of, of his marvelous glory and excellence. See, what have you been given in life? Because as a believer, you have been given everything you need to succeed in life. Don't have time to go through them all, but I've just wrote down a bit of a list. You've received the Word of God. How blessed are we to live in 2020 where we have the Word of God with us wherever we go? Many years ago, I was part of a church and we were supporting a guy in China. And they weren't allowed the word of God. And so what they would do is they would write scriptures on rocks. As soon as someone got saved, this is what they would do is they would get that person to get five rocks and they would write five scriptures on these rocks and they would give them to them and that was their Bible. We have the word of God with us. In my office, I have multiple copies of the word of God. I mean multiple copies. I, I have multiple different versions of the word of God. When I say versions, I mean translations, not different versions as in the way it reads like type thing. I I, I have multiple, I I have access. I mean, I just have to pick up my phone and I have access to every version that's ever been put out on my phone. We live in a blessed place. We live in a blessed community. You know, I don't have to go and get the five rocks. Can you imagine if you got your five rocks and it said, so-and-so begat so-and-so? I'm sure they were scriptures that were meaningful to life and living so we have the word of god given to us we have relationship with the king of kings and the lord of lords i'm more excited about that than you obviously you think about we have relationship with the king of kings and the lord of lords we have relationship with the great i am we have the relationship with the person that has already passed over death's door we have community we have each other I am so glad that when Jesus Christ set up the church, he set up community. He didn't just say, well, off you go. Church is not meant to be the Hunger Games. You might say to me, what are you saying by that? Because sometimes church is like the Hunger Games. It's the survival of the fittest. I, I want to tell you, it's not like that. We are a community where we're meant to be stirring each other on the faith and good work. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. We have his grace and his presence with us. Moment by moment, day by day. Now, there's a whole list of stuff that you could list down. Not only do you need to list it, you need to start to believe it as well. So we don't belong in the world, but the struggle is real because we're in the world. I'm going to read it to you again. John chapter uh, 17, verse 16. It says, they do not belong in this world any more than I do. Because, see, that's the secret is this. Is he, Jesus says this. He said, I don't want you to take them out of the world Even though they don't belong in the world, just as he didn't belong in the world, there is purpose and a reason why they're in the world. So in verse 17, or sorry, yeah, verse 17 of John chapter 17, it says this this Jesus again, Jesus' prayer for you. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. If you want to live in holiness, number one key is this is you need to be a person of the word. Because if you're not a person of the word, you don't know what holiness is. Don't look to our culture to be holy because our culture will say this, if you want to live a good life, you just need to do this, this and this. But the problem is often culture or today's culture goes against what the word of God would say. And so then that becomes the challenge. When the culture around us tries to squeeze us into a particular mould, we need to line that up with the Word of God and say, well, okay, is this the sort of life I need to be living? Because this is what Jesus' prayer to the Father is, and I want to tell you, if Jesus is praying a prayer for me, I want to be part of that. It says, make them holy by your truth. Teach them your Word, which is truth. So what happens is, as we dig into the Word, and as we become people of the Word, we begin to learn what truth is. Now, I'm not just talking about a Scripture here and there. I'm not just talking about you know a scripture a day because if we're not careful, what will happen is our scripture reading can challenge when it comes to context in those moments. We are blessed with so much time in our life. You might say, oh, but life is so busy. No, you're choosing to be busy. <laughs> I've given up saying that. I'm giving up, I've given up that saying where it's like, oh, I'm so busy because I understand this reality in life is that we all have the same minutes, we all have the same hours, because it used to frustrate me. Because I would look at some people who were running huge churches and writing multiple books, and I'd sit there and I'd go, how do they find the time to do those things? You know how they find the time to do it? They actually prioritize their time so that they're able to do it. We all have the same hours and the same minutes in the day. We just need to prioritise it better. I once had a young person in my church come to me one day and said, Oh, Pastor Trevor, I'm so busy. And I went, Really? You're so busy. This person was unemployed, didn't have a job, and they're telling me they're so busy. Gary was his name. He won't mind me telling you this story. I didn't get permission, but I'm going to tell it anyway. I said, Gary, what have you been busy doing? And he went, Um... Because he knew he was in trouble, he knew he wasn't going to. He knew that I wasn't going to be impressed with his next answer. Because um, 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 see, Gary had the biggest video library I've ever seen. He had the biggest games collection I've ever seen. He goes, "I'm um, Pastor Trevor. I've been playing games and watching videos." Saying, so, "That's right, and you've been so busy that you haven't had time to pray." He's so busy, Pastor Trevor. Being so busy, we all have the same time. We've just got to use it better. Because the only way we will find true holiness is when we dig into the world. The last thing we're going to look at today is this, in verse 18. It says, Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. So what we need to understand is that just as Christ has been sent into the world, we too have been sent into the world. Because if we weren't sent into the world, then he would have, His prayer would have been like this. Jesus, oh, Father, I pray that you take them out of the world and you lock them into a secure location. I'm glad I'm not taken out of the world and locked into some Area 51 place or something like that. I am glad that we don't have to build a little commune and all live in little huts out in the back blocks of nowhere to isolate ourselves from the world. I'm glad that I'm able to carry a mobile phone but still use it for good and not for evil. I'm glad that I'm able to have modern-day technology and actually use that for the kingdom of God rather than the kingdom of darkness. And so we need to understand that we have been sent into the world, not taken out of it, but we have been sent into the world. Why? Christ has sent us into the world because we are the ones that need to make the difference. We are the salt and light. I hate food without salt. It was a glorious day when I sat in my doctor's office and he said, oh, don't worry about the salt mitts. Said, right on there don't worry about it it's not going to harden your arteries he said he said it's okay you can have salt and i went thank you jesus just what i want to hear i don't care about what any other opinions my doctor said it so it's right now you might come up to me later and go well my doctor says i shouldn't have salt i don't care i don't go to your doctor (laughs) lynette's father was a salt muncher he loves salt so much that he got the salt shaker and he dug out the hole at the top. And I would watch him put salt on and he would. This is how a normal person puts salt on, is it not? Is that how you put salt on? You shake it on or grind it on? What he would do is he dug out the top, got the fork and dug out the top of the salt shaker and he'd go like this. I'm not exaggerating, am I? Hours he would be. Not exaggerating, am I? <laughs> he was a salt lover. He lived to 100 and, 102. So I reckon if it's good enough for Gordon, it's good enough for me. See, salt enhances. Light reveals. Salt enhances. See, Christ knows that our world needs you. It doesn't need just me, it needs you as well. And so what we need to understand is that Christ was sent into the world. See, Jesus Christ was sent in the world to make a difference. You read his mission. You read from the moment he's filled with the Holy Spirit and the moment he comes back from the wilderness, the Bible says that he preaches, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was his message that he's passed on to us. And so salt and light needs to be saying, you know what? There's a better way to live. There's a more successful way to live in the kingdom than currently what you're living. See, it makes the difference. Tell you, you, you think the world's bad now. You take Christians out. There was a moment when Julia Gillard, when she was Prime Minister of our nation, wanted to end the chaplaincy program um, in our nation. Because that's a Labor thing. At the moment, they're under pressure again because Labor's back in, so chaplaincy's under pressure again. They want to turn it into all humanitarian sort of um, push again. But Julia, Julia Gillard, what she did was, see she, she was smart. She said, I'm not just going to can this program. I'm going to go and have a look. And so she went and had a look, and she was amazed at the difference salt and light was making in our communities of schools where she didn't pull it out. She actually strengthened it. She actually went, you know what, this has value. And she realized this. She realized that without the church's input into our schools, then there was a problem. Now, the current Victorian Labor government doesn't think that way. And so we need to be continually praying for that um, as well. But you know what? Salt makes a difference. When people see it making a difference, they're like, you know what, there's something different. Something different about you. I have a friend that I've connected with over YouTube of all places. And um, I was in a conversation with him the other day and there was someone else there and he said this. He goes, oh, Trevor, he's just the salt of the earth type bloke. And he didn't realize how much of a compliment that was to me. He didn't realize how much of a compliment, because this, this guy is pretty out there. I mean, he's into heavy metal, he's into all this sort of stuff, and our common connection is fishing. And so in this, in, in this um, it was an online forum type thing, he goes, oh, Trevor Kaye, hey, he's just one of those salt of the earth type people. I hope that people around you are saying, you know what, they're just the salt of the earth type people. They're just that person that when they walk into my life, my life lights up just a little bit better because they carry the light of Jesus Christ with them. Let's all stand up. Hey, I forgot to mention right at the start, sorry, we had no kids church today because Belinda's not, uh, Bianca's not well. So if you can keep praying for Bianca, um, appreciate that um, as well. Um, She's message says this she says i'm not well today but i'll definitely be there next week so let's believe that she'll be here next week yeah fantastic hey thank you for listening to today's podcast from living waters church kayabrum don't forget you can find us at www.lwkayabrum.com